Norton, what's your hobby? Uh, Snowboarding. Ben? Say something stupid. Drawing. Cool. Jackson? Drumming, obviously. Yeah, legend. My, my hobby is surfing. Well, I like to think it's my hobby. I, I like to think I'm good. With me, I brought a surfboard. Who wants to see me surf? Yes. Right, that's the spirit. So I'm just going to grab my surfboard, okay? It's my surfboard. Why are you guys laughing? This is my surfboard. Oh, what, you guys thought, like, I surf on the actual big board and, you know, go out to the ocean and catch some waves. I don't do that. No, we don't do it. Why would we do that? I used to do that. I used to surf. I had a board. And then I got married. I got married. I went surfing. I was like, it's really hard to surf with a ball and chain around my leg. Like, I just kept, I just kept drowning. It was, it was impossible. So I was like, that's cool. That's cool. Um... Kate bought this for Isla. I was like, you know what? This actually this is way better. Like, yeah, it's cool to catch a wave, get barreled. Not I've ever done that, but this is way better. So what I do, I get in the bathtub, I get in the bath with Isla. If she's not around, I, uh, I fill up a little thing in the, in the yard and I just go like this. It's sick and I make some waves and it's awesome. Guys, it's, 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 I'm telling you, it's so much better than a real deal. Like, um, there's no jellyfish. There's no there's no sharks in my um in my bathtub. There's no um there's no rips. There's no uh, I like surfing a mason. There's no he's not here. There's no annoying masons who just think they're way better than everyone else, and they just surf along with a beautiful long hair. And it's just it's guys, it is so much better. Trust me, I'm I'm not making this up. But really, we all know it's really not better, is it? Like, you cannot replace the real deal. There's nothing quite like that feeling where you just catch this wave and it's just the best feeling. And that will never replace as much fun as I have with Isla. And secretly, when I'm playing it by myself, it just can't replace the real deal. And it made me think, and I've been thinking this for a while, do you ever feel like your walk with God, um, and I heard someone say this, do you ever feel like you're not really living out the real deal and you're kind of living out a simulation of the real deal? Like, do you recognize that? And that's kind of where I've, I've I guess I've, I've kind of felt a little bit less like, you know, I come to church once or twice a week, and we come to these camps, they're awesome. And like, yeah, you pray every now and then, you have some fellowship, and you just think like, it's like this simulation of the real deal. And I read my Bible, and I just like, man, there's got to be more to it. There has to be so much more to it. And do you ever feel like that? And I was thinking about this movie, Madagascar. Awesome movie, right? Have we all seen it? Have we got a favorite character, anyone? Chelsea, what's your favorite character? King Julian. Easy, right? Easy, King Julian. I really like Alex. Like, I relate to Alex. And if you haven't seen it, it's these bunch of animals, and they're in a zoo. And they can talk. They're in a zoo. And then you've got Alex. And he's just like, he's just wondering. He's just like, yeah, this is cool, man. And, like, I get given my meat and my steak. But he's just constantly thinking, like, there's something burning in me. It's like, I'm not meant to be in the zoo. Like, I'm meant to be out there in the wild. I'm meant to be out there in the jungle. And he's just kind of forever wondering what's out there. And he's kind of got these 
questions deep down, like, what's it like? And that's kind of what I feel like. And I feel like we can be like that as a youth group, as a church, where we feel like, man, we love God. You know, we know this is, this is where we want to be. And we just kind of feel like, ah, there's got to be a little bit more to it. And if you're asking those questions, if you're feeling those things, I think that's such a good sign. And you're here, that's such a good sign. It means that your heart's in the right place and you want to draw closer to God. And something else that triggered those thoughts in me, um, someone asked me a really casual question. It was um, maybe a month ago. We had like friends over for dinner and he was super casual. He just said, oh, we had a main conversation. He said, oh, so, so where do you see yourself in five years? Like, what are your plans for the next five years? What do you want to achieve? And stuff like, um, I was like, oh, um, I just started a business, so um, hopefully my business is up and running by then, and um, it'd be cool to own a house, I guess. And and it was such a lame answer. Like I, I went honestly, I was thinking about it later, and I was like, "Wow, like what? that's that's all I could give him." It was like these natural. It was just a very natural answer. All I could think about was like, "Yeah, like man, I, I want my business too well, have a home, maybe, and maybe what if I asked you guys those questions, like." Where do you see yourself in five years? What do you want to, What do you want from the next five years? And so often our mind just goes through natural things, right? Like, man, it'd be cool for finish uni. I get that dream job. I get that dream guy, that dream girl, whatever. And I was like, I'm a child of God. Like, I'm a child of God. And why is that all that I could think about? Um, and I kind of lost sight of those things a bit. And I was like, guys, there's nothing wrong with pursuing university getting a good job starting a business wanting a home those are good things um it's done it's all done it's all been done before but you living out your god-given purpose now that's something epic that is something unreal that's something not a lot of people can say that they've done and that's something we can lose sight of sometimes so i've had to take a few steps back and reconsider what do i want from life and I'm not very good with questions because that was, again, it was the wrong question. It was like, no, what does God want for my life? I had to ask, what does God want for my life? And does anyone relate to this? Thank you. Russ, so I'm just going to talk to you because it was just you with your hands up. Russ, take a seat. Um, so what is God's will for my life? What a tough nut to crack sometimes. Hey, and maybe you're like, Jamie, shut up. I ask God all the time. I ask him all the time, God, what do you want from me? What do you want me to do? And we kind of expect these direct answers, right? Where it's like, God, just give me a sign. Like, if only you told me what to do. If only you told me to study this, to get that job. Do I marry her? Do I marry him? Like, just tell me, God, like, where do you want me to live? Eh, nah. Um, what do I study? Like, God, do you want me to stay in this church? Do you want me to go to a different church? Do you want me to stay in this fellowship? Go to a different fellowship? And you just want God like, God, just give me an answer. All right, let's play that game. All right, so you're thinking, okay, I want to go to uni. What do I study? What, what job? Boom, here's a letter. God gives you a handwritten letter. He says, you know what? Go study that. All right, so you're like, yes, sweet. I want to study that. God gave me an answer. You're going to study that? Sweet. You get your degree. You land your dream job. Um, dream job. You get a house. You get your car. You get your wife. You get your husband. You got it all. Right? You got it. And you still don't know what God's will is for your life. See, with God, it's not just about this assignment where it's like, man, you got to do this. you got to do that. you got to move here. And it's not like God's written this script where it's like, oh, um, all right, Jamie's about to be born. Let's look at all the babies. Here's Jamie. Okay, um, 
Jamie, I want you to go to this primary school. I want you to um, study that. I want you to move here. I want you to marry that girl. And then it's like, oh, oh, wait, Jamie didn't do that. Oh, it's over. Sorry, Jamie. Like you didn't follow. You didn't follow my plan. You didn't go to the school that I wanted to go, so I can't use you anymore. That's not how God thinks. And it's about having this big, big picture of life. But when we think about God's will, we immediately think about we related to vocation, location, relationship. Does God want me to study this? Take this job? Live here? But God is saying you're created for something bigger than figuring out what university to go to, what to do with your business, what you do with work. And let's let's picture God up there, yeah? Like let's let's use our imagination. Like I'm just picturing God up there, and maybe he's he's sitting on the clouds with the angels, and he's got a couch, or maybe he doesn't. Maybe he grabs some clouds and made a nice little couch, and he got a big screen there. Got a big screen, and you know what? We're going to tune into it. We're going to tune into Jamie's life. And there's like, okay, we're looking at him, man. He better pick that job. He better go to that uni, or he better marry that girl. And he's like, oh, if, if he doesn't, I can't use him because I've only there's only one thing that he can do. But God's will for your life transcends all of that and is not limited by our, by our temporal circumstances. Because no matter where you go in life, wherever you choose, where you want to be, where you're going to go, God and His Spirit will always be with you. Wherever you go, whatever you do, whether you go to this city or that city, that fellowship, this fellowship, you study that subject or this subject, you want to work nine to five, you want to start a business, God's will for your life will never change. And how do you find God's will? Well, it all starts by taking your eyes off yourself. Now, there's this fella in the Bible. Um, you, may, you may have heard of him before. Moses. Anyone heard of him before? Um, also, does anyone have a Bible? Because I don't have a reception. I was going to read um, I was going to read of my phone, but I don't have a reception. I can't open my Bible. Do you mind if I grab your Bible? Let's go to Exodus, guys. Let's read about this dude called Moses. Now, this story in Exodus is fascinating. Like, I really encourage you to read it. And um, we find Moses. He's just chilling with the sheep. That's what he does. And then he sees this burning bush. And the bush isn't consumed. And he goes closer and he checks it out and he hears a voice. It says, Moses, Moses. And it's God. And then God reveals this plan to Moses. He says, I've seen the misery of my people, Moses. I've heard them crying because they're slave drivers, and I've heard their suffering, and it's time to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians, and I'm going to lead them into a land flowing with milk and honey. Let's read Exodus 3. Verse 10. And, I, and he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was... N- nope, that's the wrong one. Um, sorry. Oh, sorry, I was, in, I was in Genesis, sorry. All right, Exodus 3, verse 10. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, this is erection, who am I? First thing he does is look at himself. Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, certainly I will be with thee. So what was Moses' first erection? Who am I? Like, who am I to go to Pharaoh and save the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And he's like, 
wait a minute, like, what, you want to send me? Like, why do you want to send me? Who am I to do a big job like that? I can't do it. Can you, can you please send someone else? And God's response, chill, Moses. I'm with you. I'll be with you. It doesn't matter who you are, Moses. It matters who is with you, and it matters who I am. But Moses' first reaction was to look at himself, and he said, I can't do it. Maybe it was more than that. Maybe he was just, he was, he was loving life with the sheeps. He was like, man, it's pretty comfortable. It was a cushy job, and um, I'm kind of happy in my comfort zone. And then, but then there's a shift when he realized that God was with him. And I imagine him like kind of gazing at God, and he's like, okay, God, let's go. So once Moses took his eyes of himself and he started looking at God, he accomplished amazing things, amazing things for God. And that's when God's purpose for him started unfolding was when he started to take his eyes of himself. And we know the rest of the story. There's not a lot of people, I think, in the history of mankind that were like used by God the way that Moses was. And that's where it all starts, guys, that you take your eyes of yourself. And Moses went from leading a fine natural life to leading a supernatural life. And that can be you as well. As daunting as it can be, that also makes me very excited. So we establish, you take your eyes of yourself and you look to God. You still don't know, okay, yeah, okay, I'm looking at God now. And what's his will for my life? To figure out God's will for your life, you have to go back to the source. Right? Someone invent something, say a chair or a table. Or say this, this thing, this stand that holds a mic. There would have been someone that invented that and you... Man, if I was looking, I was like, what the heck is that? Like, and I was like, oh, well, you put your mic on it. And then like, I'm like, oh, cool. That makes sense. Like, okay, that's why, that's, that's what exists. That's what the purposes of this stand. Now, God created each and every one of us, right? He created you. He created me. And God's pretty clever. He doesn't make mistakes. So if we know that he created you, he, we know also that he created you for a purpose. So why did God make me? And I think we sometimes really overcomplicate things. Let's go to Matthew 22. Matthew 22, verse 36. Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the laws and the prophets. Boom. It's God's will for your life. You love and you serve God above everything else, and then you love and you serve others, and everything falls onto that. And when I read those verses, when it's about God, it says it's about others. You know what I read, what I sense there? It's not about me. That's what I sense there. Like, it's not about me. Like When I take on Christ, we bury the old man, and now it's about God, and it's about the people around me. And you love God the most out of everything. And then you love others as yourself. And maybe you feel like, I don't love myself that much. Well, like, if you fed yourself, if you put clothing on today, if you had a, if you had a sleep, like you do love yourself. You do, we all have a, a level of self-care. And that's how we're meant to love other people. You, know, you see someone else hungry, but clothing. It's like art. We have to look after that. And have you ever done something when your heart's not in it? Anyone had a job that 
they just really they didn't like. I've had a few jobs like that, right? And you got a job, you don't really like it, maybe your hobby, and it's something you do, and you don't, your heart's not in it. If your heart's not in it, you're like, you're not really going to excel at that thing, right? And same with your relationship with God. That's why I'm saying, man, you've got to love God more than anything else. And if you do that, you're going to excel. Like I've had a job where I was like, I liked it, but I didn't love it. So I didn't really go the extra mile. Um, so, and we want to see as well that loving something or someone that much with your heart and soul has an awesome roll-on effect. So what's something that you love? I'll start out with, um, I love hamburgers, not going to lie. Had two hamburgers yesterday. Um, anyone else? What name something that you love? Any anything? What do you love? Good. Music. Cool. Tia, what do you love? Cool. Yep. Chelsea, is there anything you love? Friends. Yep. Does that mean you love me? We're friends. Sweet. That's cool. All right. So there's all these different things that we love now. I like hamburgers. I love hamburgers now, and I've been think I've been checking out burger place in Brisbane and there's so many epic burger places in Brisbane I'll be like I'll happily I'll drive an hour to get that burger I love steak I love a good steak now it was my birthday not that long ago and we spent hundred dollars on two pieces of steak I was not I was a bit much I'm not gonna lie that wasn't really my plan but if it's a good steak I'm happy to pay that um, I like surfing I'll go for a long drive if there's a good wave somewhere I'll find it and I'm happy to spend money and time on that and I love my family, I love Emily, I love my kids, and there's nothing that I won't do for them. But would I lie, lay down my life for a hamburger? Mm, no, no, nah, nah, probably not. I, mm, depends. No, nah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't lay my down life for a hamburger or a steak, but my family, who I love more than anything else, yes, I'll put my life down for them a million times. And there's just things that automatically happen and take place when you love people like that, when you love something or someone that much. And there's this roll-on effect of loving someone or something. And if you love God the most, there's going to be awesome roll-on effects in your life. And you're going to benefit from it so much. Now, in order to love God, you need to know God, right? Um, so you've got to know God. And I was thinking, like, when I met Emily, my wife, like, like I fell in love with her. And like the more I got to know her, I started loving her more and more because you fall in, you, you love the person that you know. And you see all these awesome things about them. And, um, and even if she doesn't let, let me go surfing with the boys, please let me go surfing with the boys just once. Nah, she does. She's good. Um, she lets me off the, off the chain every now and then. Um, but man, when you get to, get to know God like that, when you really get to know God like that, there's going to be so much awesome things happen from there. So everything starts with getting to know, truly getting to know God. And I mean spending time with Him. And um, I hope this is not recorded. If it is, don't let this talk go back to Holland. This is where I grew up. I grew up in Holland. Got some good stories for you. Now, if you date someone in Holland, um, it'd have to be a chaperone. Do you know what a chaperone is? So it's like, oh, your boy likes girl. And it's like, you don't get to know him. Well, you need this third person. So like... I like someone's like, well, you kind of need a third person. It's really hard to get to know someone. I'm not going to lie. So, like, you're kind of sitting there with a the girl, and you're, like, you're trying to make conversations, like, and there's just this random dude there. It's like, so, like, the weather's nice, hey? And, like, like you're not really going to talk about, so how many kids do you want? And, like, all this stuff. And, like, or it's kind of like, yeah, you get to know each other. But if you get to know each other, it's like, just go in the corner. Like, go come at church, and you meet each other. And it's, it's very hard to get to know each other that way. 
Likewise with God, like camps are awesome, meetings are awesome, but for you to really get to know God, you need to spend alone time with God, where there's no one around, where it's just you and him, you drown out all the noise and you can hear his voice and you get, start getting to know God and you find out that God is so deserving of our love and he's the creator of the universe. I mean, just look at nature and you're just like, whoa, like you're worthy of praise. And he's given us his gift of life. He's given his only son, and he, he wants to spend eternity with him. And I can go on and on. There's so many reasons to love God. Man, when you truly know and love God, the rest will just follow. All right. So, um, and that, those verses in Matthew, keep them in the back of your head. They're going to be like a red thread to this, through this talk. Now, who doesn't know what a selfie is? Let's get into it. Is there any boomers in here who don't know what a selfie is? Can we all take out our phone? We're going to do this for the boomers out there. Can we all take out our phone? Don't pretend you don't have a smartphone. All right, guys, let's all... Can someone... <laughs> can someone walk up to Pastor Bill and maybe kind of guide him through this talk and be like, this is a phone, Pastor Bill, and this is a camera? All right, grab your phone. And I know you've all been dying to do this. Let's make a selfie, yeah? Make a selfie of the person next to you or as a group. That's enough shame. That's like you taking like 10 photos there. Just one, guys. Come on. Um, I'm quick. Chelsea, do you mind coming up here? I just need a quick volunteer. Round of applause for Chelsea. She, she, she volunteered. I didn't force her up here. She really wanted to be here. Some blue tag. I just want you to hang up a few photos for me, okay? Just do it maybe on the wall over there. I'm really, really disappointed because I had this awesome thing planned of showing a selfie and the person's not even here. Now, no, he's, he's not. I don't think he is. So, um, I'll show you what a selfie is. Who knows who that is? Justin Bieber. <laughs> That's Mason. He's not here, but that's a selfie. Do you want to hang that up there, please? Just anywhere. I'm sure Mason's here in spirit. So that's what a selfie is. So you grab your camera, you turn on selfie mode, and you take a photo of yourself. I think that was a, it's a fairly fresh photo of Mason. I think I was taken maybe about six months ago. Who remembers a time before selfies? There's a few of us. But there's a lot of us that maybe they don't really remember a time before selfies, right? So when did selfies become a thing? And I was kind of thinking, like, I still remember a time before selfies, and um, they kind of became a thing with MySpace and Facebook, right? You've got to take a profile photo, and um, you take a photo of yourself. Um, now, what are some of the greatest things to come out of Australia? Vegemite. What was that? Uh, yeah, fair enough, yeah. Debatable. Anything else? Long, okay, yeah. Bunnings, snags, the ute, fair enough. Oh, you wrecked it. Pauline Hansen. <laughs> um, land down under by men at work. There's a lot of awesome things come out of Australia, right? And um, 
Thanks for the spoiler. Um, over there. The word selfie apparently came from Australia. Awesome. So I'm going to tell you, in 2002, let's quickly read it out. The word selfie was first used to describe a self-portrait photograph on an Australian internet forum. I'm going to read it out. A young man uploaded a photo he had taken of himself with this description. It's really beautiful. This is going to touch you guys. Um, I'm drunk at a mate's 21st. I tripped over and landed lip first with front teeth coming a very close second on a set of steps. I had a hole about one centimeters long right through my bottom lip. And sorry about the focus. It was a selfie. Thank you, Australia. Thanks for that, guys. Because of you, we got the word selfie. The word selfie became part of the Oxford Dictionary in 2013 and was also named Word of the Year in 2013. Google reports that its Android devices take 93 million selfies per day. That's just Android device, and we all know well, Apple users are a bit more full of themselves. They're probably double. It's probably like hundreds of millions for Apple users. So it's hundreds and millions of selfies a day. And in one poll, 18 to 24-year-olds, oh, that's some of you, between 18 and 24, reported that every third photo they take is a selfie. Huh, interesting. Some subjects in one study reported taking more than eight selfies a day. And if you Google the phrase, how to take a great selfie, there's literally millions and millions of results. Tips range from use natural lighting. Um, this is a good one. Turn to the side a tiny bit. And when that's used, it's a little... Get me from the left side only, whatever. One celebrity said she takes 500 selfies before finding one she likes enough to post. And another article said the average teenager takes 12 minutes per selfie from preparing the shot to editing it, getting the filter and stuff. Now, what we're going to do now, we're going to go on time travel. You thought you can time travel? Yes, you can. We're going to go on a time travel. We're going to do it right now. Chelsea, sorry, you say that a little bit longer. Thank you. She's, she's, she's good. Um, so I remember I used to travel, so I'm from Europe, I'm from Holland, and I'm going to flex on you guys so hard right now. When I was a kid, when you were a kid, where'd you go? You go to Kenilworth? Cool. Nah, I'm not banging out Kenilworth, it's pretty cool. I used to go to Paris. I used to go to London. Oh, yeah. Go to Venice for a weekend. Yeah, cool. Why not? Got to plane to Venice, go to Germany. Nah, that's actually not that cool. Germany's lame. Um, and we go to these awesome places, Yeah. Um, awesome architecture, all the architectural buildings and stuff. You guys probably can't relate to that. Um, all right, what's something else awesome, beautiful you can see? All right, let's think about Australia. An amazing mountain range, an amazing beach, or a waterfall, yeah? Um, a waterfall, awesome. Um, so let's go to a waterfall in the 1900s or early 2000s. What you do when you go to a waterfall, we're like, whoa. And remember, there's no smartphones around. You go to the waterfall, you're like, wow, beautiful. Look at this waterfall. Amazing. You sit there, you take it in. You listen to nature. Beautiful. Maybe you jump in. You find a rock to jump in. You just have a great time. Now, if your parents were rich, they'd have a camera. Like a camera is pretty big. And maybe you take a snap of it. And cool, you show people like, oh, I saw this awesome waterfall. Um, now, let's fast forward, okay? Years 2020, 2022, smartphones came on the scene. Let's go to a waterfall. Let's go to, let's see a waterfall. And um, you see an awesome waterfall. This 
pictured as this awesome waterfall there. This is what we do. We grab the phone. Exaggerating a little bit. You grab the phone and you're like, whoa, look at that awesome photo. Look at that awesome waterfall. I better put my face in it. And um, you might think I'm overreacting. Hey. Hey, Ben. You paying attention? This one's for you. So you might... Have you ever... Ben, have you ever... You've gone to Europe, right? And you've seen some pretty amazing things in Europe. And you think what you do... You're just going to look at it like, whoa, look at this, look at the Eiffel Tower, right? And you just look at it, it's beautiful. You wouldn't, you, you wouldn't put yourself in front of that, would you? You wouldn't do that. So I've just got a few photos here. Um, my lovely assistant, it's Ben and Renee. Where, can someone see where they are? Yeah. So what are we going to do? We're going to take a photo of it? We're going to take it in? Nah, let's, let's put our face in it. Okay, okay, I'll give you that one. That was in a headshot? Okay, I got a few more, don't worry. <laughs> what, what is this? Where Ben and Renee? Huh. What's this? Anyone see what this is? Headshot, okay. Like maybe can, I'll give you two. Headshot. This, this hat's real... This hat is really cool. One of my favorites. Looks a bit like the Eiffel Tower. But it's not. It's just a hat, right? So you go to Europe. You go to Paris. Yeah. But still, you put yourself in front of it. You put yourself in front of the... Cliffs of Mohair. This one's special for me because I lived in Ireland. The cliffs of Moher are pretty awesome. It's pretty majestic. Um, but you, you can't see that because there's two people in front of it. Like, I'd love to show you what they look like. but And I'm not having a go at Renee because Renee would never do this. It's Ben. Ben's clearly holding the cameras, making Renee get it. Bucko. Buckingham Palace. Is it? I, I dug real deep. Like... 90% of my talk preparation was finding photos. Uh, Buckingham Palace. Now this one, this is probably my favorite. I'm going to frame this one. I have no idea where this is. I'm going to frame this, might sell it. Can I get this signed? And the thing with Ben, we see what's happening here, right? And Ben married Renee, right? So you think you find a girl of your dreams, the most beautiful person you've ever seen, and you just want to stare at her. And like, wow, I just want to take a photo of you. But not Ben. Ben does this. <laughs> ben thinks, yeah, Renee looks good, but I look better. <laughs> so what I'm going to do, uh, and, and Renee's like, I'm getting married as well, like, and just crying again. Ben paid me out during a song for NYC, was it NYC, and he was talking about my pale legs, I think, something like that. You're talking about my legs, and I've been very self-conscious about that ever since. That's why I'm jeans, so it's kind of payback time. Um, the Backstreet Songs, boys. Um, all right. 
proof, guys. This is what we do. And obviously, I'm just having a bit of a laugh. Like, I've been to Europe, and I've taken similar photos. Myself in front of it, not as many as that, but... Um, and this is what we do, guys. Um, we see these awesome things. We see beautiful things, and we think, I'm going to take a photo of me. I'm going to put myself in front of it. Um, and I want to read a verse to you in Second Timothy 3. How good is like Ben and Renee's first SEQ camp, and this is how we treat him. Second Timothy three. Second Timothy three verse one. This also know that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of selfies. You see that? That's what it says in. This is what it says here. Men shall be lovers of selfies. And he's saying people will become lovers of self. And um, self-love isn't necessarily bad, okay? And it all depends on the type of self-love. But if you look into the translation here, it talks about, um, it talks about the selfish love, the narcissistic and, and self-focus. And I read this quote. It says, humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Now, do you kind of see this conundrum that we have here? Jesus says that the greatest commandment is not to love yourself, but to love God and others more than anything. And then it says, but lovers will become, uh, sorry, people will become lovers of self or selfies. And like, I'm not going to have, I'm not having a go at social media, but is it, isn't it kind of weird? I've got Instagram, I've got an Instagram page, and isn't it kind of weird that you can set up a page and it's just about yourself. Like, if you said that to someone 50 years ago, you said, oh yeah, I set up a page about myself. I'm going to share 100 photos of myself. This is what I do. You can set up a Twitter and share all your thoughts. And like, I'm not even going to go Instagram and social media. They're good things. But it's kind of weird, right? That it's just, it become normal to do those things. Stuff that weren't normal back then are just kind of become normal now. And then we've got influencers and people telling us, no, you love yourself. You do you. That's like the first thing. Every song you listen to, it's like, love yourself. And we need to be so careful what we feed ourselves, guys. Guys, the Bible warns that in the last days, it's going to get bad. And he's talking to the church here. He's saying it can creep into the church where people will become lovers of themselves and become self-focused. And then it's Jesus that says, love God. Love others more than yourself. And the world says, love yourself. Love, you do you. And, um, yeah, you can choose how you're going to go through life. You can go through life self-centered or Christ-centered, but a child of God, we're all children of God here. You will never figure out God's will for your life when you're stuck in selfie mode, and you'll never be fulfilled. And I um, just want to use a little, another prop here. Who likes Cocoa Pops? You're right. Go on, go on, brother. I think you helped me out last time as well, didn't you? You love food, don't you? Oh, his love is food. That's cool. Do you mind eating Cocoa Pops in front of everyone? Sure. I'm already up here. <laughs> you're not, you're not, um, dairy, you're not vegan or dairy nah. torn?
Yeah, I didn't feel the move. All that. I don't want you to eat it like an animal, so I'm just going to give you, um, what do you need? Uh, maybe. Just, we'll just get it done later. Here, here's a knife. Thank you. Can you please eat your Coca Balls with the knife? It's pretty good. It's good. So look at him. Ah, okay. All right. Turn around. Thank you. Go on. Whoa. He's getting way more cocoa puffs on when he's eating like that. Do you want to take the ball? You can take the seat. Thanks, guys. You can you grab seconds. Grab seconds if you want. Okay. Fair enough. You want to milk as well with that? Okay. He's, he's keen. Do we not feed him this morning? And Norton was talking about this as well yesterday, right? And he kind of gave this analogy about, was it like a hammer and like a tape measure and stuff? And that's, I was like, damn, man, that was a good one. But my cereal one's pretty good. Maybe not as good because he kind of, he'd find a bit of a way around it. But obviously what I'm trying to show that um, God intended for you to live life a certain way. It's very hard to eat cereal with a fork or a knife. And yeah, you're meant to eat it with a spoon. But what we do sometimes is that we live life the way, like we're not intended to live life. You know, we get on social media, we get so caught up with what our friends are doing, what all these influencers are doing, who are saying, love yourself, focus on yourself. And God's saying, no, like that's not how I intended life for you to be. And you'll never go, you'll never have a fulfilling life. You'll never, you'll never find out what God's will is for your life if you're not living life how God intended for you. And you're made... You're designed to love God and to love others. And that's the only way you'll experience true happiness. But the danger is when you go through life in selfie mode. Um, I'll show you. Maybe you can see. So like when I, go through, when I put my phone in selfie mode, like I can only see half of you guys. If that. like I can only see kind of people around me um, and say like, if I go like this... I just can't get out of the, if, I take, if I'm in selfie mode, I can't get myself out of the picture. Now, if you go through life in selfie mode, you can't see God. You'll never fully see God. You won't see the needs of others. You won't see your brothers and sisters. And it's really hard to see those things when you become self-focused. And I kind of want to ask as well, like, how did you come to this camp? Do we think, man, I better be sharing a dorm with him or her? Man, the speakers better give me a message that I need to hear. We better sing the songs that I like to hear. And that's no problem with Jackson because he always chooses all the bangers. Awesome choice, buddy. Um, and like, you have all these thoughts like, I'm going to talk to that person. I'm not going to talk to that person. I'm going to talk to my mates. And you kind of come here sometimes in selfie mode. And sometimes we come to church in selfie mode. And that's what I've been doing. When you come to church or camp where you go to your family, you go to your friends in selfie mode, you kind of see... You don't see the big picture. You're seeing the negative things in life. And, you know, I've, like, I'm almost 30. Oh, make me cry. I'm almost 30. That's insane. I'm an old man. Um, and I've been in church my whole life. I've seen a lot of people come and go. I've been through a lot of stuff myself. And some of the most lost and confused and sad people are people that cannot get out of selfie mode. And that's kind of 
in my life, the most average times in my life were, and when I kind of had a, was lacking a sense of direction, was when I couldn't get out of selfie mode. And now the best thing that I can tell you today, for you to do today, is there's a button on your phone that you can press and you go off selfie mode. And that's the best thing I can tell you today. And there was a story a few was years ago, I went to a, a church camp in England and I was kind of going through some stuff and it was like a prayer room. I was like, I'm going to go to a prayer room. I'm going to have some prayer about it. And next day, I was still struggling. I was like, I'm going to have some prayer about it. And then like this girl walked in and she started crying. I was like, oh man, this is awkward. I don't like a guy and like a girl starts crying and you don't know what to do. He's like, uh, you okay? And I was like, I'm, I'm out of here. Like, I don't know what to do with this. It's like, nah, that's not what I did. I was like, all right, like, Jamie, you can do this. You can do this. So I just went up to her and said, hey, what's going on? Like, why are you crying? And like, started opening up. And before you knew it, the more she was opening up, the more I was kind of forgetting about my issue. And it kind of put things in so much perspective for me. And we just started praying for her. And as I was, from that moment, like my problem was getting better. I was kind of forgetting about it. Like, it made me realize, hey, like, like, my stuff isn't as significant when I focus on other people. And you got to start doing this. Like, you've got your phone, you go off selfie mode, and instead of looking at yourself, you do this first. Let's say God's, God's up there, God's in the sky, and you start pointing it towards God. That's what you do. You stare at God, and then you grab your phone, and then you do this. You look at your brothers and sisters, you look at your family, you look at people in your community, and that's when you start finding out what God wills for your life. And you don't have to go there, but... David, awesome guy, super relatable. David in Psalms 27 says, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all my all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. Does that sound like someone in selfie mode? Definitely not. And remember that first step to finding out what God's will is for your life is like loving God with your heart and your soul. And this is it. David got it. This is all that David wanted to do was like stare at God and look at his beauty. And he was someone that had a very close relationship with God. And this is something that we can lose in our generation if we're not careful, where we feel the need to be in the center of every picture. And everything around us screaming for our attention, and it's insane. Like our mind just can't get a break. And if we're not careful, and if we give our time and energy to the wrong things, it'll leave us unfulfilled. And this is where it starts. You start to find out what God wills for your life and the secret to real joy by pushing that button of selfie mode. And you stare at God and you realize there's this amazing being up there and says, whoa, like you created the heavens, you created the universe and you're my creator, you made me, you made me for a purpose. Like you'd give your only son for me, you've forgiven me and you want to spend eternity with me. And David looked at God and he looked at someone so beautiful and he's like, why do I want to look at myself? When you see something that beautiful, why would you look at yourself? And that'll bring you so much joy and purpose in life when you realize there's something so much better and more beautiful to look at than yourself. So you look at God and you look at others. And again, we overcomplicate things. And there's been times where it kind of made me feel anxious. Like, God, what's your will for my life? And um, man, I could come up here and we've heard those talks, right? I can come up here and say, Man, I'm going to tell you about your gifts. I'm going to tell you about your strengths. I'm going to tell you about your passions. And man, you need to talk to God. Like talk to God, pray to God, and figure out what you what His will is for you. Read the Bible, read the Scripture, figure out what God's will is for your life. Listen to God's voice. But that's maybe not what you need to hear. Your calling is simply to love God and to serve others. And the truth is, guys, you can go to ten different universities. You can change your job twenty times. 
You can live in a hundred different cities and God's will for your life doesn't change. You can do all those things without, without losing God's side of your calling. God will always call you to love God and to serve others. Maybe you go to nursing school. Maybe you think, nah, I want to become a teacher. Um, maybe you want to be a pastor. Maybe you want to move here. You want to travel. Whatever you want to do. But if your focus is to love God and love others, then you'll already be living out that calling for your, for your life. And it's about making sure that wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you love God and serving others. And that's the real deal. Um, got another thing with food. Can we get a volunteer? Not you. No, no, no. Yep. Jackson? Do, do either of you like Coke? Only two. Do you want to come up? Do you like Coke? All right, cool. You're a bit of a Coke expert. All right. Well, can you just turn that way? I've got two. No, maybe a bit further. No cheating. I've been stitched up before with my... Uh, Woolworths whole brand Coke. Yeah. Coke snob. Oh, yeah, that real deal. Let it settle down. All right, turn around. Can you try both? I want you to figure out which one's a real thing. Can I have a sniff of it? Oh, yeah. Interesting. Don't let me down. Come on. Okay. Okay. The worst kind of a bit black. But this one's the real one. Yeah, it was. Yeah, this one's a real one. Yes, he passed the test. Tim's? All right, let's go. Home brand Woolies Tim Tams and a real deal. It's kind of going to look a bit weird because they look different, so you're going to have to close your eyes. I'm going to have to feed you a Tim Tam. Or, yeah, you have to close your eyes. All right. Do you mind me feeding you a Tim Tam? All right, cool. No judgment here. That's cool. If you pass the test, you can have them. All right, close your eyes. All right. Bro, you can feed yourself that. Yeah? Close your eyes, have a bite. All right, easy. Take it in, take it in. Mm. Do, you want some co- do you want some fake Coke to wash it down with? You ready for the next one? Hey, is that the, which one's the real one? He knows, there you go. Here you go, your reward. You can never replace the real thing, guys. That's what I guess I want to say with that. And it's kind of going back to that thing we were talking about surfing. Like it's fun, the little thing is fun, but you can never replace the real deal, okay? Um, And as well, in order for you to know how 
how good it is to serve God, to love God, you're going to have to have a taste. And so many people, I think we've all known friends of ours that left church, perhaps, and like maybe they 16, 18, they leave, and it's it sucks. It's not cool. And so many times when I see people leaving, I'm just like, you never, you never gave it a real go, and it's so sad. It's like if only you tasted of how good it is to serve God. If only you knew how good God is, you wouldn't leave. Now, if you're sitting here today, maybe you're feeling that spot. You haven't really had that taste. Like, and maybe you're on the edge. Maybe you're like, man, I just, maybe I don't want to be in church anymore. Maybe I don't want to love. Maybe I don't want to be with God. Maybe you just want to run away. Well, can I just encourage you before you do that? Don't leave without giving it a real go. Like, drop the, ho- drop the home brand Coke and the home brand Tim Tams. They're not good. Like, you need to have a taste of the real deal. Get to know God. And not, like, get to know God and love God and start serving God. Start serving God and start serving other people. And all of a sudden, your God's will for your life becomes clear. And you have a taste of the real deal. And you just can't beat it. And just... I'll wrap up soon. And this is a little story about my daughter, Mari. Um, she's like, she's five months or so. And like the other day, it's about like a week ago or so, I was looking after her and I was like, I was just in front of TV and she was on the floor, yeah? And I was watching The Office. I hadn't watched it in a while. I was like, oh, Office, cool. I was watching it. I was, Mari was there. And I was like, I hadn't been watching Mari for like five or ten. Like, and it's like, all of a sudden I was like, wait, what, where'd she go? And like, she'd crawled like to the other side of the carpet and it was a big carpet. And that's a really big deal. But I missed out on it because I was watching The Office. You see what's happening there? Like, sometimes our eyes are like the awesome things that are happening right in front of us. Like, you can have a taste of how God good is. You can serve Him. You can love Him. But if your eyes are on the wrong things, like, you're going to miss out. And that's what was kind of a good analogy for me. Like, man, my kids, they do stupid and awesome stuff all the time. And it's hilarious. Like, it's the best things. And I don't want to miss out on those things. But if I choose things that are maybe not as important, like, oh, I put on the office, watch some Netflix, man, she's going to crawl without me. And like, God's like, like, God's going to do what he wants. He wants to use you. But if you don't, if you don't get involved, he'll use someone else. And every day is a chance to spend time with God, to get to know him better, to serve him, to, so, to serve others. So don't settle for the home brand Tim Tams or the home brand Coke. And there's this thing that people say, it's no water. Has, has anyone ever said something really stupid? Have you ever heard someone say something really stupid or annoys you? And um, oh, if you're a pastor or oversight member, you may have said this once before. Sorry, PJ, Russ, Bill, maybe you've said this. Have you ever heard an older person say, oh, you, oh sorry, take it back. Have you ever heard an older person? Um, have you ever heard an older person say, "Young people, you're the future of this church." I really, I know they, I know you mean well. I know you meant well, but it really annoys me. I'm going to break it to you. You're not the future of this church. Like you are this church right now. Like man, sometimes like people make you feel like man, like oh, one day like I'm not going to be here anymore, and like. And you're going to have to take over. And it's like, wait, so like, am I meant to wait till I'm 50, 60? And that's when I can kind of be involved. And that's when I can kind of become part of the church. 
no way. Like, guys, do not wait till you're 50 or till you're 60. Like, God has called you for a time like this. He's called you and he wants you right now. He doesn't want you when you're 50, when you're 60. And I know if you've ever said that, obviously you mean well. And like, yeah, we are the future of the church, but you are the present. You are the church. Like your community, your family, they need you right now. And there's this awesome verse in Esther. I don't have to go there. It's Mordecai talks to Esther and he says, perhaps you were born for a time such as this. She's saying, maybe you were born for a time just like this. That's not talking about the past. It's not talking about the future. It's like you. You were born for a time just like this. And there's this awesome quote by Mary Oliver. Who knows who Mary Oliver is? Ashley? I don't know. I was going to say, like, oh, yeah, no, I have no idea who she is. But I just found it. Like, you just Google. Cool quote. Mary Oliver. Sounds like an awesome woman, though. What is it? She said, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? What is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Life gets so busy sometimes. We fill our life with so many things that sometimes we forget. Like you only get one life. Like I'm almost turning 30. And there's this story, and it's a, oh, it's a bit of a sad story. I don't really want to share it, but I'm going to do it anyways. Kind of get you like in the fields and stuff. There's a story of my grandpa, my, my opa. Now, um, my oma, very sweet lady, loves us. We knew her very well. My granddad... We just didn't know him very well. And whenever we'd come over, like, he'd never spend time with us. He'd be, he wasn't a bad guy. He'd always be on his new paper. And he'd never show interest. And he wouldn't really talk to us. And but he, was, he was a minister in a church. He'd go around the country, speak in different churches and whatnot. And he was involved in charities and stuff. And he was so involved. But for some reason, he kind of neglected his family. And his kids, my dad will say the same thing. Like, he doesn't have a good memory of his dad. Now, a few years ago, maybe five, six, seven years ago, my granddad got cancer. And it was horrible. Like, it's, it's horrible. And it was really sad. I was living in Ireland at the time, and I was like, he'd only had been given, like, a few months left to live. I was like, okay, like, I'll, I'll go over, like, obviously, like, I, I did it for my Oma. It's like, like, I want to obviously, like, be there for her. And, like, my, I had no relationship with him. And you know what happened? He came up to me. He said, hey, Jamie, like, can I talk to you? I was like, what? Like, this never happened. He's never said that. He's never spoken to me. Like, it would be small talk and very hard man. And you know what happened? We went outside. We sat in the yard. It felt a bit awkward. And he started crying. It was, in, it was, it was insane. He started crying. And he started crying. I've never seen him cry. Show him emotions. And you know what he said? He apologized to me. He apologized to me. He said, Jamie, like, like I know I haven't been a great granddad. And I know I haven't been there for you guys. And what he said, he said, but I just want you to know that whenever Oma, whenever she said something about you guys, or I heard that you had a good report card, I was really proud of you. But he never said that. So he felt those things. And it was at the end of his life. And I could see that he was full of regrets. And it was so tragic. This is a man who like served God in his way, um, went around the country, he was doing these things and, but the most important thing in his life was in front of him all this time, and he neglected it. And it was at the end of his life, and it just wasn't, it wasn't a happy way that he passed away. I could just see he was lost, he was worried, 
and he had regrets. Now, guys, I don't want us to come to the end of our life having regrets. And I really, 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 really believe that each and every one of you was born for a time like this. And do you believe that? Do you believe that you were made for a time like this? Now, if, you, if you believe that, if you believe you were made for a time like this, were you made to be on Instagram four hours a day? Like, I'm not going to pay out social media again. Don't want to do that. Were you, ma- were you made to work 60 hours a week and then like, all right, God, put that out of the way. Now I'm going to give my leftovers to you. Guys, like your church, your family, your community, your friends, they need you. You were made for a time like this. And they need you. They need you. They need someone. They need someone that loves God more than anyone else that esteems them higher than you do yourself. And thinking about Moses again, like I've had a lot of Moses moments in my life. Um, a lot of Moses moments in my life where you think maybe you're not good enough. And I have to remind myself, God, like it doesn't matter who I am. My gender, my age, what I look like, what I'm studying, what job I do, because it's not about you. It's not about your abilities or the place you're in. It's about the fact that God is with you no matter where you are, and so is the Spirit. And each time I've got like an anxious thought, like I'm not good enough or whatever, my underlying thought process was like, oh, what if I fail? What if it's not good enough? And, you know, I kind of had that with this workshop. I wasn't really going to share this, but, man, it was a bit of a struggle doing this workshop, not going to lie. Like, I hadn't been in the best headspace for the last few weeks, and it just wasn't really happening. Like, and it was kind of hard juggling things with my kids, and need work. You look, look after the kids and then it's like eight, eight o'clock and he's tired and like you got to work, write this talk. And it was like, there was times where I was even thinking like, maybe I should just not do it. Like I was like kind of getting anxious. I was like, maybe I shouldn't do it. But I just couldn't say no. Like someone in, something in me was just like, I couldn't say no. And I was reminded that it's not about me and it's about him. It's about God. And it's about him, for him and by him. And doesn't it make sense that he will help me do his work? And if we walk forward, if we walk with him, he will come through for us every time. And it doesn't matter who you are, it matters who God is. And God just wants your willingness. That's all that he wants. Rather than questioning, who am I, like Moses did, it's better to say, look who God is. Don't say, who am I, but look at who God is. And guys, this camp, it's awesome, Cam, when we go back to our fellowships, when you go back to your family, your housemates, you go back to uni, school. Let's not go to them dry anymore, okay? Let's go there, have something to give. And I've said this before, like, I'm really tired about talking about COVID Ugh. and vaccinations. It's all we talk about. I come to church, and for some reason, it's all, I've heard so many people talk about COVID. I'm like, guys, I get it. Get it out of your system. I mean, we're children of God, and we're just looking at all these other things, and the, the enemy is just laughing. He's like, awesome. I've got my children coming to church where it's all about God, and they're not, not even at church. They're not even focused on God. They're talking about all these other things. And sometimes it happens as well when we're with the, amongst each other, with youngies. We're talking about all this stuff, and like, let's normalize talking about God again. Let's get full of God, and let's normalize praying together. It shouldn't be a weird thing to say, hey, guys, we're just going to have some prayer. 
I want to tell you what God's done for me. I want to open up, like Norton said, open up. You're struggling with something. Let's, let's get to the bottom of things and let's be real. And we go to grab our phone and point it to other people. And you say, I see him. I see her. They're struggling. Maybe they're not. But I want to be a blessing to that person. And let that be one of your prayers going forward. Like, how can I be a blessing to other people? And I'll just wrap up now as well. But our culture has convinced young people that fulfillment in life comes from personal gratification. You've got to get likes. You've got to get comments. But there's nothing like the joy of serving God. And I'm sure we've all had a taste of it. And maybe we need a reminder, and maybe we have another taste of how good that is. Can I encourage you to start serving today? Don't wait. Start serving today. And you don't have to do it alone. Look at all the people around you. There's 60, 70 people here, and we're all super eager. That's why we're here. We love God. You don't have to do it alone. But you've got a responsibility to the people around you as well. And that's the beauty of church, that you don't have to do it alone. Fun is great. It's awesome to have fun, but let not everything be centered around fun. And can you all grab your phone? One last thing. Something practical I want us all to do. I kind of got this from Pastor Ross. He had a really cool thing he did last camp. Can you set yourself a reminder? I've got a new phone. My phone broke, so I've got an iPhone. Usually, um, oh, reminders. There it is. Set yourself a reminder for tomorrow morning. And I want you to write something there. Write, I did not wake up for me today. All right, can you write that? Send yourself a reminder. I did not wake up for me today. And maybe start your day with a prayer where you're like, Lord, help me see the needs of others. Lord, I'm done pursuing my own needs. I'm done living for myself. Let me do your will. If you want to find your life, you have to lay down your life. So let's finish up. Where did I start? What do you want your life to look like in five years? What are your dreams? Like, what are your goals? Man, I'm having to change my perspective. And I'm praying that my next five years are years of meaning where I'm living out God's will for my life. Years where I've gone closer to God, I know God better, and I love Him more. And I want myself to be more grateful for everything that He has done and that He's doing. And how do I show Him that I'm grateful? By serving Him and others. Whatever it is, wherever it is. Guys, it doesn't matter what uni you're going to go to. Whatever situation, whatever fellowship you want to be in, whatever situation you're in right now, serve God. Love God, serve God. And we need to start answering those questions from a kingdom perspective. Guys, you study, your job, your house, marriage, kids, all those things that you want, they're important. But let's place them in the right order, yeah? Like family, job, uni, kids, all those things. But then we grab God and we put God at the top. And awesome, you know what happens when you start doing that? When you put God at the top, all these things will fall into place. God will give you the desires of your heart if you put him first. That dream job, that dream girl, that dream guy, whatever you want, it'll fall into place as long as you have God at the top and he stays there. And I'm just picturing this movie set of Madagascar. We're all a bunch of animals in this zoo, right? Wherever you want to be, whatever your favorite character is, and we got to get out of that zoo. Like it's cool, 
It's fun, but it's been enough. Like, we've got to go to the jungle. We've got to start living life as God intended us to live life. And we can do it together. Like You don't have to do it by yourself. So get rid of the kid's toy. Get rid of the fake. Oh, they're not that bad, actually. Um, get rid of the Coke. I wouldn't get, get rid of that. You need to have the real deal. Have a taste of the real deal. And no more simulation. Like It's time for the real thing. And let's not just settle for an ed- average life and a natural life. But let's aim for that supernatural life, a life with meaning. I just want to end up with another quote by Winston Churchill. We make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. If we make a living by what we get, we make a life by what we give. So do you want to make a living or do you want to make a life? real life and if you want to make a life the real deal let's turn our eyes on god and we have to give leave it there thanks so much guys